Welcome to a conversation with Sam Eddy. That's right, he's been here for the third time on Discernible. And Sam, I've got to say to you, the first, I'm not going to be on my best behavior because okay. the first time people come on, I'm really like, oh, okay. And then the second time, I'm like, oh, a bit more friends. I can be a bit more open. Third time, bets are off. I'm yeah, just right. going to. Okay, shit. <laughs> shit. Okay, all right. I'm going to re- rethink what I'm going to say now. <laughs> I'm going to put my wall up. <laughs> put your wall up. So you may have seen uh, the first conversation I had with Sam Eddy where I had quite some, some quite profound moments on that show. It was really cool. Go back and watch that. We're talking about how to see yourself, how to process things. Because Sam uh, is from openchange.com.au, a workplace consultant who teaches people all sorts of things like leadership, um, dare I say emotional awareness, how to to be really, how to be a human in the world. It's really cool stuff. So today, I think he's come on. I said he's come on when he came, I came in the door. I said, I'm nervous because I'm coming here because you're going to take me to task for my pride post. Because I said, oh, pride's terrible. So today we're going to talk about what is pride? <laughs> what is identity? Should we ha- is, can pride be good? Uh, and just this whole understanding of ourselves and, and where we are in the world. So before we get started, if you like what we do, you should because it's awesome. But you, we, we exist because of locals. Go to discernible.locals.com. Uh, and people there being part of our private community means we can do this for free. Welcome to the show. Cool. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for being willing to talk about I am, I am excited about it too. I was just joking when I said yes. I'm nervous. Well, I am kind of nervous. <laughs> I am kind of nervous because I know you've come with notes and I don't have notes. Yes. Well, I mean, look, and I'll keep, we'll hit my notes just so I, because it, it, well, the, the reason why I put notes down is because I think it's a minefield, this topic. Pride. No, labels, identity. Oh, yes. I mean, so pride, your pride post, I can't actually remember specifically what you said, but Pride's evil, there evil. was an, un, an uneasiness about it and that I sensed. In me or in you reading it? In you, but also... I was angry. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. anger, yeah. uneasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I sense that that happens a lot. Yeah. And, I, and I, I find it awkward too. You know, and I'm gay from the community, the pride community. I so, didn't know Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> not at all. Not an offended at all. Yeah. Um, and because well, it wasn't an anti-gay post. It wasn't. As you saw. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, and so it was kind of interesting for me because I thought this whole topic of labels identity mm. is 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 a minefield. So mm. I thought maybe an open conversation is useful to go in and kind of demine it and maybe realise that the minds aren't that they're dummy minds in the first place because it's, it's so lovely. triggering yeah. for people. You're so calm about it. I should have opened the show with, all right, I did an anti-gay pride post and here we go. Someone from the community is going to rip me apart. That would have gotten more clicks. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. But you're too nice about it. All right. So what, what did you think? Is this what sparked it off? Because you emailed me or James and said, you. yeah, and said, hey, we need to talk about this pride thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was more of a, it wasn't a, more of a, it, I was, I, I talk about reaction versus response. Yes. I like to think it was a more of a response because I thought it was a, a useful post that you did in some ways okay. because it was reflecting a, a lot of what people think. And maybe yeah. this, and when I said unease before, sometimes we, we sense an uneasiness about how we're using labels, potentially attaching to them identities and how the pendulum can swing from maybe something that's useful on a practical level to then problematic. And there can be a lot of angst and destructiveness behind it. So that's kind of the prompt for it because it happens with kind of all sorts of labels, whether it be pride, LGBT, you know, um, labels, whether it's everyday labels that we use um, around mum, dad, being a CEO, um, anything. It's all, to my mind, it's all the same stuff. So this is interesting because 
I, I mean, we don't go around talking about our sexuality, so I didn't know where you stood. But because you're, I, I count you as a friend, you're mm. nice, you're, you're understanding. I find that the people I know who are from the LGBT community are exactly, they're normal people. And there's this yeah. caricature <laughs> on the right, and there's caricatures everywhere, but there's, yes. there's caricatures of their angry um, pride march, yeah. angry, you know, whatever, protesting. I'm like, why is it that that dominates the conversation? And I really, a lot of that was behind my anger in that post is that this, the Pride Month and the Pride thing has become like a weapon of, of force. And the, the feeling, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but the feeling I get from people mm. like yourself is that you're just trying to do life. You're not here to fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, look, I think, you know, if you I mean, trace back, I mean, we spoke about this last oh, time, that was your concept. Amazing. So I'll throw that back at you. But, honored. <laughs> but it's useful. I think it's useful to trace back, you know, where these things come from. Mm. Um, you know, for example, I mean, I'm not an expert on this stuff by any stretch. So when I say I'm part of the community, what does that really mean? Exactly, I don't, right? I don't know. Label. Um, yeah, exactly. In a same sex, sex relationship. So what does that mean? You know, <laughs> do I attach myself to the label or do I... You've got to wear a rainbow not yeah exactly yeah. so but you know you know presumably at least in to my mind the way i think about this mm-hmm. the whole pride movement maybe was born out of a useful um you know to get sort of equality so that people can do what they want with who they want um you know without having you know the, the law discriminating against them for example so to my mind that's where it's come out of can you go deeper into that? So, pri- so at, there was a time yeah. when same-sex relationships were, were not, illegal. not only illegal, but culturally, yeah. I mean, because it comes from religious roots, but it like being still today being hanged, thrown off buildings, Absolutely. Like, more than just illegal. Absolutely. Right? Um, being pushed out of society, all the, the bad stuff. But then where does pride pop up? Is that a recent phenomenon? It's probably become more and more, I think, the pride yeah. term. And I think the, the, the term itself can be problematic. Because, I mean, I think it's, it depends how you use it. Words are neutral, right? They're not bad or good. But when we start to attach things to them, that's when it can start to become problematic. So I think what can be useful from an awareness perspective, or maybe readdressing the balance or stopping, you know, discrimination or abuse of, you know, certain part of the community, then it can morph into something else. And that's with pride, with anything, with anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, there's there's a pushback against, mainly from the right wing. I, mean, I don't like using left and right, but, you know, pretty much, right, from the conservative or the religious, and I would probably more come from that side. But from, from that side, there's a pushback of, don't shove it down my throat, yep. um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but that's not, that was never, as you read in my post, yeah. I'm actually not one of those right wing warriors saying, we should heterosexuality should be normal again. I don't care. Yep. What I have a problem is I think pride in all of its forms, whether it's me having pride or yes. pride in the pride movement, I think it's evil. I think it's wrong. Yeah. So well, that's what, what, what about should... the, what about it is? Well, let's keep going. I mean, I'll, I'll be open, but let's go into what, sure. what does it mean in the context of the LGBT communities embrace this label of pride? Yep. Some people have said to me, it's because they were shamed for so long, yes. which they were, Yeah. right? But they said the antidote to shame is pride. I completely disagree. But yeah. that, that's where they think it's come out of. So we need to push the pendulum into be proud of your sexuality. Yes. So much so into marches and parades yeah. to counteract this horrible shame we've received. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think that's probably what's happened. I think, to my mind, the antidote to shame and, and guilt is finding peace. 
So I agree, pride, because what you then do, you you go from hating one label or hating maybe one part of yourself potentially to then going, no, this is this is who I am. This is really who I am. But of course, it's not who you are. What do you mean? Okay, this is what do you mean by what you just said? So, you know, you know, I said I'm gay before, but I'm not really, you know, that's not really who I am. That's just a practical term that I use. Maybe that sometimes is useful. I've never mentioned it to you before because maybe it hasn't been particularly useful in a practical purpose. It'd be like saying I'm inside a house right now. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it can be useful. It can be useful in certain circumstances, but then it's got nothing to do with who I am on the deeper level. That's kind of the spiritual aspect to it. But some people, it is core. Absolutely. But but I think it happens with any label. Okay. So if I'm a mum, right? Or yeah. mum or dad. Yeah. I'm a dad and therefore that means X, Y, and Z. Right. Or no um, parent should ever have to see their child die. Well, you know, it's, yeah, you know, that's yeah, a label, yeah. that's an identity. Yeah. Parents should always do X. It's like, well, that's obviously impossible. So right. we're already attaching to a label um, at, and putting our self-worth onto it. Yes. And so I guess that's where it comes wrong. The ego comes in, and this is maybe linked to maybe what you're talking about around mm. pride. Mm. And then we, we latch onto this external version of ourselves. And that identity must be upheld at, at whatever cost. And so if someone starts to attack it, so attacks, attacks you as gay or you as a man or um, of Asian background or whatever, then, then we start to get... Because we're, we're effectively attacking our ego. So it morphs from being something maybe that's useful, I mean, a practical awareness tool to help with, you know, getting through day-to-day life to then this thing that the ego gets attached to and wants to survive at all costs. So what do you say to someone then who... So I'm thinking of Bunnings. When you go to Bunnings, there's rainbows everywhere during Pride Month. Uh, And so the right wing are like, stop shoving down my throat. The left wing are like, yay. Uh, The militant left wing, yay, suck it. You have to acknowledge us. Then there's a bunch of normal people in the middle like yourself are like, I don't know what you think of the rainbows. What do you think of the rainbows and Bunnings? I mean, I haven't noticed them, but... Okay, they probably don't even notice them. And there's people, me, that see it and go, this is sick. You're teaching people to go further into ego. This is not good. That's what I see when I see the rainbows. Well, the flag doesn't teach you that. The movement behind the flag does. Well, and so that, to my mind, that's where you go. So the work I do is all about self-empowerment. So what are we then attaching to? So, what, so if I was you know, coaching you, I'd be like, well, what, what are you attaching to the flag? And that you see it bunning. So that's maybe one aspect to it. So can you see it and maybe not... If I was Should gay? not trigger... No, if just anyone. Oh. Any any trigger that you see, if you walk around the city, and I might just say, you know, I see a cross or a, yeah. a religious emblem or something. You yeah. know, if I'm being triggered by it, why am I being triggered by it? Well, I know why I'm triggered by the gay pride stuff. Yeah, because I hate pride in myself passionately. Yes. yes, and I see it. Yeah, and I hate it. Well, there's no point hating it. Pride, pride's horrible. Well, because you're then hating part of part of your ego. So we have to understand the because to my mind, the pride. Yeah. Is, it's directly linked to ego, that false sense of self, that emergency mode stress response that comes up. What is pride then? Maybe we should do that. Yeah. What do you, in terms of what this, what we're talking about, is yeah. pride? Because psych- modern psychology tends to come on the Arist- Aristotelian lines of pride can be a virtue and it can be a vice. Yes. Aristotle said that. Yeah, okay. And they make this di- distinction between 
true pride, which is good on your achievement. I mean, I disagree with this, but this is what they say. True pride, real pride, authentic pride yep. is, is proud of your achievements, which I think is really just satisfaction. But they th- say that it's pride. And then they say hubristic pride yep. is, is the other one, the bad one, the, I won't say his name, um, polit- political people who think more of themselves than they should, especially in politics. Yes. Well, I mean, I look at it in the way that uh, what are we attaching to it? So you you said I'm pr- I'm proud of my achievements as one example, or we use it that way. I'm we proud it, that yeah. I got into yeah. university. Yeah. I'm proud that I did this. Mm. But am I then taking it to the next level and going, well, if I didn't, then I'm a bad person. If I didn't get into university, yeah, then I'm there's something wrong with me. So do I need that achievement for my self worth? Isn't so that I'll, literally? I'll only be happy if I get to CEO, or if I have kids. Yes. And that's where it, it becomes a problem because in terms of your own suffering, because you're, you're, um, you're putting your, you're giving your power away to this external Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. The, so I, I think we kind of maybe align on that. I think in we're some on the same form. page. Yeah. Because, because what we see is from the militant small part of the um, gay community yeah. is you, if you don't accept me, oh, like you're cutting my identity. Correct. That's a very weak position. They should be pr- not proud, see, it's in our vernacular. Yeah. They should be comfortable with who they are based on their own choices in life in terms of morality and ethics Absolutely. and whatever else, regardless of what I think of them or not. Absolutely. And that's what I, that's when I work with clients or do webinars or do the training, I'm encouraging everyone mm. to sort of find that peace, knowing that you are just fine no matter what comes along, mm. that you'll be fine if there's a pandemic <laughs> or we get locked down or that person mm. um, criticizes you as a mum or dad mm. or um, is, you know, anti-gay or, mm. or whatever, whatever the hostility is. That's hard. Deal with the hostility, you know, yeah, exactly. So, so it's good to be conscious of the hostility or if someone's coming at you, but they're going to use any trigger they can find, whether it's a, yeah. a, a, a label that's going to push your buttons, they're going to, they might search around to find it. And so if you're reacting to it, you're suffering in the moment and that you're going to give more fuel to the fire. It doesn't, and that's not about excusing what people do. Sure. It's not about justifying their actions or anything like that. But to my mind, and the reason why I sort of come here is to, it's all about self-empowerment because okay. I can't help you really control um, the world around us. I can't, you know, control what Dan Andrews is going to do or, or Albo or whoever they are. Yeah. So I'm just triggering you. Scobo would be the biggest trigger of all. Scobo. <laughs> So I, my work is always about mm. what can you do. I did um, a, a, a webinar for nurses and midwives mm. around how can you move out of this survival state into thrive. What, what survival state are you talking about? Because they're busy or? Perpetual living on adrenaline, burning oh, out. I see, I see. Survival mode where you're constantly living on stress and so immune system suppressed, you mm-hmm. get burnt out emotionally, physically. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the pushback I get is like, well, we've got, endless patients to see we've got Mm. um there's always more to do i can't even take a break you know people are dying and so i'm like well that's valid points all valid points but i've been doing this work for you know since well before the pandemic Mm. and that was the case anyway yes Yes. and so so my challenge is well what's the cost to you if you could can you save everyone no and so so i guess that's and that can be a hard thing to look at because it might mean we have to make choices about well how do I put my boundaries up Mm. to manage my own well-being so I can make more conscious choices or when I am with my patients I can be conscious or when I'm encountering that person who's attacking me I can respond as opposed to react 
Okay, so then the the uh, complaint with this approach, the complaint from the um, the uh, activist part of the gay community would be if 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 we do that, then they'll walk all over us. They'll continue with the culture that we always had, with all the rights we have. Only been here because we fought for them. Yep. So we have to be noisy. We have to be allowed, occasionally aggressive. We need yeah. to get this done. Yep. Yeah. Well, and there's nothing wrong with you know advocating for what you believe in. Absolutely. I, th- I don't think there's anything wrong with that and having debates about it. Um, but what will happen is if, you know, if you're attached to it, if you're linking your self-worth to it, suffering will come along. Because at some point, someone will attack that identity. So you could go and do a debate on a show somewhere to fight for the gay community and yeah. gay rights, but you would be coming from a more rested place where you're not going to be all triggered because yeah. your identity is not in your sexuality. Absolutely. And it's about sort of understanding. If we really understand where people are coming from, we, it makes sense. We can understand why, you know, what, what's gone on in someone's life that they got to this point. So we might even have more understanding for someone who is someone who's maybe more of an aggressive activist. Right. We can understand it. We might not agree with it, but I could maybe talk to them, go, look, I understand that, but understand you know why you're so forthright in it but then again i I guess my angle is always but how are you feeling right now you know is the agitation you're feeling helping you ultimately is it serving you right um this is fascinating yeah does that all make sense i'm not trying to skirt around but i no no we've got a long time we'll get deep we'll get into (laughs) it okay so so prior so you do do you believe? Do you agree with this? The modern side, the the standard. You know, all psychologists tend to agree that there's yep. this good pride and bad pride. You agree that there's some kind of good manifestation of pride or healthy manifestation. Yeah. Well, it's it's just a word. It's just a word. But if we're again, if we're attaching our self worth to it, who we really are around these achievements, even if it's maybe good pride, like my achievements are who I am. That's not good though. My achievements are who I am because when you, you don't Absolutely. achieve, you're screwed. Absolutely. So that's, so that's, some people might say, oh, you know, you should be proud of your achievements. And yes, so it's maybe enjoy and celebrate your achievements while you have them. Celebrating is not the same as being proud. No, and that's what yeah. I'm saying might yeah. be the more useful. Celebrating or for me, I, I think you derive satisfaction on a biological level, an evolutionary biological level and on a spiritual level and on a psychological level. I think we're hardwired to celebrate, yeah. achieve. Satisfaction is very important yes. in who we are, but let's not call it pride in my view. So yeah. what, what and if you go to like a pride celebration, yeah. um, there's not really a lot of talk about activism mm. or, you know, everyone should accept us or it's just, it is just a celebration. Mm. Okay. In my experience, it's just fun. Very cool. Just a party. So what happens then if it's just a party with rainbows or whatever, mm. that's, it's not very um, <laughs> aggressive or dangerous or, or whatever. But then somewhere along the line, I guess in the media, it gets turned as an attack, like the, the rainbows and everything's here to, to force it down our throat, that line. So who's, who's turning it like that? If it's not the mainstream um, same-sex community... Well, and so there's, some, there's obviously some fear coming in. So there's some fear of what that means. So fear of maybe what people don't understand. From the heterosexual community? I, I don't know. I don't know who's, who's doing it. But, um, but that, yeah, that lens that it's t- they're taking over. Or <laughs> but it can, yeah. be, can be with anything. It can be with you know, um, 
Muslims. That was the big, yeah. that was topical. They're, they're taking yeah. over or, you know, people from China or whoever or, or, or the whatever. Aboriginal flag on the Harbour Bridge. It doesn't yeah. have to be, yeah, it could be anything. Absolutely. So again, it's not really what it is. It's more like, and so that, I guess that's the flip side. Yeah. So if I'm trying to, if I'm actually saying you must, you know, um, declare your pronouns for everyone to be feel comfortable if I'm saying that or, or, the, or I'm coming in and saying you must not do it because then you're supporting yeah. um, the encroachment of the LGBT, you know, both are coming from that same place of ego. They're trying to thought they're coming from fear. Do you feel like most people operate in that realm? Well, you work with these people. Yeah. So I, I, I get the sense that most people think they, they're, they're um, prey to that way of existing, not the way you're talking about, at peace with yourself. Yeah, well, I think, I think, it's, I think there's different triggers so for different people. So I think a lot of people maybe, maybe, just, maybe just are pretty indifferent maybe to some of these issues mm. um, because they're trying to you know, get the kids sorted for school, they're trying to mm. get studies done, they're trying to, you know, so they're in a bit of survival mode. So you know, I coach a lot of um, new parents um, around you know, the juggle, managing mm. the juggle. So you know, they're probably you know, pretty disinterested <laughs> because it's not True. relevant in some of this stuff. I don't know, you've got kids, but... Um, so what's the question? Okay, so what, I don't have a key, clear question. I'm just exploring this, these ideas with you, which I'm enjoying. Yeah. So where do you find your sense of, because uh, you talk about don't put your identity in the external. Yeah. And if your ego is out there, it's vulnerable. What do you put it in? So because the tradition, the classical ways, so the classical ways in, in, is in religion. Yep. So Islam and Christianity in particular, those two. It's more about, well, if you take Christianity, for example, it's about, it's not, the whole message of the Christian is not about you, it's about Jesus. That's yep. their thing, right? Yes. So rather than kind of fostering an internal and safe place of ego, yep. they, they, and I guess that's where my perspective comes on, forget ego. Yep. It's not about you at all. Stop looking at yourself, look at someone else, put your eyes on heaven or whatever. Yep. But what you're describing is different. You're talking about being, having a, an ego and a peace and an identity within yourself. Yep which is different from the view I just described. What do you base that on? How, how do you find, for people who don't want to go down the Christian route, yep. how do you find a place within yourself that is okay and there's a healthy ego here and all the externals don't matter, you can attack me there, it doesn't matter. What, what, what's the, the foundation that this sits on? Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, Buddhism or Eastern teachings or, um, you know, which talk about, the middle way or the middle path. Yeah. So we're talking, what we've been talking about is a lot of different extremes. Yes. Sort of extreme activists on any, any issue really. Yeah. And then force and fear. Whereas, you know, what's the, what's the middle path? What's that lovely calm middle path through anything? So you take food, for example, food's essential for life, but yeah. if we have too much of it, it can be very destructive. But what is it? So what's the middle path? with all this. Yeah, but that the middle path is, is I find, I mean, maybe I'm cutting off too early, but I find it a bit of a cop out because- Doesn't, It's not sitting on the fence, by the way. Yeah, no, I understand that. But it's like when I interviewed a Sikh guy in here recently, mm. a fascinating guy, I, I, I like him. But whenever I try to go deeper into what is the foundation behind it, right? Muslim people can tell me, Christian people can tell me, Sikh couldn't tell me. And Buddhism, let's go into Buddhism, right? Would you be more familiar with Buddhism compared to the a, a little bit, but more probably the Western 
version interpretation of it. But is is the isn't the idea of Buddhism to be less and less and le- the opposite of ego? You're letting go. You're letting go. You're less and less about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, tr- and the sense of transcendence through less awareness of yourself, almost like that Christian doctrine I described. Yes. It's less. You're less aware of yourself more and more to the point of monasteries and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, so ego is really, well, so the way I look at it, I don't know if this is aligning to what you're saying, and I don't align to any religion because that's a, a man-made creation, if you like. It's just another... Well, they would disagree. They would it's say... A, it's another dogma. That, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, exactly. Every religion would claim that they're divinely inspired. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I, sorry, my, my personal view is that it's, it's religion's the man-made aspect mm-hmm. to it. There may be gods or... Mm-hmm divine beings or prophets or whatever mm. absolutely that's that's fine but that the what we often see is the the man mm-hmm. or the the egoic interpretation of it good point um and so the ego is useful so when you asked about you know how do you sort of know that ego is useful and i i don't know i can't prove it to you mm. and so what we are talking about is essentially something that's intangible mm. Um, but from an ego perspective, really useful. It's a selfish part of us, which mm. we need. So a car mm. coming towards me 100 miles an hour, want to mm. be really selfish, don't want to be open-minded, don't want to be thinking about passionate, thinking about my career, thinking mm-hmm. about you know being all lovely. I just want to jump left or right. Mm. So that's linked to the stress response. Yes. Problem is a lot of us end up living that way yeah. the whole time about, well, you must get into school, you know, we must go to this school or else, or you're a bad person if you don't. And so the stress response and the fear is activated very early on from childhood. Yes. So we learn to live through ego a lot. So it's not a bad thing, ego. It's a useful tool, but we gets all um, messy in our minds. And that's where we start to move away from knowing that we are ultimately fine just as we are. Okay, so before let's go into that. But before we do, <laughs> the core concept of ego is good. Well, it's natural. It's just the concept of self. Without yeah. it, it, it's the opposite of Buddhism. It's, yes. it's that you exist. It's agency. It's you. It's who. Yep. You, it's you exist. It's being able to even say I am. Right? Yep. But let's go into what you just said. Mm. You just said, what do you say? Comfortable as you are. I am defined as I am in this moment. How do you know that? Well, What's that based I, on? I can't prove it to you. No, you don't need to prove it. I'm just wondering where you get your reassurance from that you are okay in this moment. Because the religious yep. amongst us, Buddhism, mm. Islam, Christians, would say I am good because an external holy text or a prophet or whatever yes. says to do X, I do X, I'm okay, or yes. whatever. But you're not referring externally to anything. Well, I mean, I, you know, I grew up as a Catholic and I do remember being told you know if we're talking about religion a religious religious view on it god is everywhere mm. god is everywhere he you know he which you know he's everywhere he's everything and so well he must be part of me then he must be so the so god isn't really an external thing in, in terms of the way i mm. that catholic mm. version of god mm. was it's everywhere it's everything some people in those more um you know western spirituality or um what's the word, metaphysical realm, it's all around, you know, what's, it's universal energy. Yes, I'm familiar so with this. Chi, yeah. it's, it's, everyone's got a different name for it. What's the essence? And, and, then, yes. and then science can back it up a little bit yes. by going to that quantum level yes. of science and understand that we're all connected, we're all made of yes. atoms or yeah. even, you know, beyond that. So yes. we're, all, we're all the same, we're all ultimately the same. Yeah. 
Um, and then you might read into experiences of people who, you know, near-death experiences yeah. or whatever. There's a great one um, by a book called Dying to Be Me by Anita Morjani. Okay. Um, and she was a Singaporean Indian, had a, had really nasty cancer. Yeah. Um, and it's worth reading her book and her story because it's one of the best um, medically um, documented cases of someone having really, you know, on the on a deathbed, having really big tumours all over her body, wow. yeah. going to her death and having a, a spiritual experience and coming back and then having a, an almost, you know, instantaneous healing. No, oh, wow. That's documented. So it kind of, it kind of combines science, seeing, observing these things, her story. Again, you can't necessarily use that as a, as evidence from a scientific. It's interesting. Though. But, it, but, and so a lot, understanding a lot of these aspects so she came, she lived, lived and wrote Still the alive. book after. Oh, wow. Wrote the book. Okay. Yeah, she's done heaps of interviews, written a book. Wow. Um, fascinating. So I guess that's where I have some sense that we are kind of all connected or there is something more. I guess it's, it's finding some sort of peace with what's the purpose of being here. Maybe we're just here to have an experience. So in your darkest, quietest moments by yourself, if you're willing to go there, mm. uh, how, and you look at yourself with honest eyes, mm you are able to look at yourself and say, I'm okay. Mm. Like, how do you do that? Because a lot of us can't. A lot of us look and we see things that we don't like. And, and you know, we, there's that one side that you talk about where we might be attacking ourselves and being too critical and yeah. so on. But there is also an objective part where we say, I objectively was a pretty bad person in that incident today or in this part of my life over 10 years. Or, you know, we're not all good so how do you how are you able to look at yourself and say no i'm good i'm okay well i mean because i didn't used to so i never used to be able to um you know i had really high anxiety panic um burnout um and so and i know that manifested for me by being not being able to look at myself (laughs) just we didn't want to look could have didn't want didn't want to go there because i didn't want to look what i could find what sort of you know person i was what did you do? What did you do? Um, so I, well, I kind of, it came up in anxiety yes, and panic. So it forced me to deal with it. So you started to look. I had to look. But when you looked, it was, you didn't want to look. It was not, you didn't like what you found. Well, I didn't like what I thought was there initially. Oh. So what, when, without really exploring it, uh, I didn't like who I was because I'd probably learned to maybe not like it. Catholicism. Well, yeah, you know, we all we all have some sort of experience of that, you know. Uh, maybe you know, being gay, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, you get some these messages, and you think, oh, there's something seriously fundamentally wrong. And and, and I, I I don't couldn't consciously say which specific thing it was, but it's well, that's the core message message of all the religions we've mentioned. Whether some it's of all Christianity, the Islam, or Buddhism. Yeah. yeah, well, it is like you've got a problem. You need some kind of some kind of salvation. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, I mean, I remember you know guilt, shame. Mm. I remember when I went I went to a Catholic primary school, going to a state high school, mm. and going to bed at night in year seven, praying for all my friends at high school who weren't Christian or Catholic <laughs> because I thought right. they weren't going to heaven. heaven. Oh, I see. I see. Heaven. Did you have problems with... When, when did you come out in school? At, oh, after when I was 18. Oh, so it wasn't a thing. Yeah. Then. Okay. But so... Well, when but, did you... Know, but, but that guilt and shame is... We, we all learn it maybe in some form. And so that's how prevalent it can be. And so therefore, you know, all these messages, these programs that we learn, mm. 
they, they, you know, they, we sort of, I guess on some level, maybe know that they're not really reconciling. We're not aligned to them. So how do we, so then we don't want to look. We don't want to look at all. We don't want to go there. Shouldn't we feel guilty about some things though? Like if you're corrupt and you know you're corrupt and you stole something and then the reason why I ask yes, is because yeah. just, we'll keep going with your story, but the reason mm. why I ask is someone like my mum who's dead now, yep. but she used to do denialism. So you, you, you're saying you didn't want to look. She, what did she do? She would do bad things, but then be in denial about it. She'd, she'd look, but not, I guess she's not really looking. She, she'd look and say lies to, that just weren't true. Yeah. So the way I, I look at this stuff is, that, uh, uh, how, where have I gone unconscious? Right. So, and this can be a really hard pill to swallow for some people, and depends yeah. how we talk about it, I guess. That I'll, I'll try. It might be a hard pill. <laughs> but, you know, can we let go of the guilt and the shame and view it as just unconsciousness? What do you mean? So if that? I'm a sum of all my learned programs, for all mm. the experiences I've had, you know, most of, a lot of which we, we probably talked about this before, we absorbed like a sponge mm. without any filter from the age zero to seven. So we were programmed without any, really any ability to do anything about it. Yeah. And so if I'm playing out these programs in adulthood, lying, corrupt, you know, it's when we become aware of it. When but, I become aware of it, I become conscious of my unconscious behavior. I see. And those who... And that can, that can allow you to look without feeling like you're a, a, an evil human being. And it can actually help you maybe make change and understand that understanding is important. If we understand why we've done something, we can, okay, and we can take the learning and make change. Why does it enable you to look though? Just because, because not, we, sorry. Well, not everyone is as rational as what you just said, that if I look, then I can take the learning. Other people can't look. If we view it in the terms of consciousness and unconsciousness, if we yeah. accept that we've been programmed to some extent, okay, um, and then and so therefore we're we're effectively just playing out programs because we had no other choice, and that, that's the hard pill to s swallow because Isn't when hard pill, hard pill. Why is that hard pill? Isn't that easy to say? It wasn't my fault. It's not your problem. Not, you don't have to take responsibility for the way you're behaving because it was programmed into you in the first place. That that's the hard pill. Some people think, well, that's just excusing um, bad behavior. Oh, I find that an easy pill. Okay. Isn't, it, isn't there a problem with people not wanting to take responsibility in the world around... Well, I seem to see it. I see it around the world today. People don't want to take responsibility for what they did. They want to say it wasn't my fault. Yes, but I think... Sorry. Um, so with, with the unconsciousness, so if I was only programmed and I didn't really have a choice until I became conscious of it... And, and realize there's a different way. Some people saying that's not taking responsibility because mm. you might not then say it's my fault. Mm. People want, want people to, to be punished. They want retribution. Mm. They want to see people suffer. So, that, so therefore, if you, if you view it through the unconscious lens, mm. they might see that as a bit of a cop-out. Does that make sense? Yeah, so someone like my mum who's in denialism about so many stuff, right up to the point of death, she's more like you were not wanting to look yeah and her manifestation was that was just to lie or to just oh, possibly yeah okay yeah right because we don't if we don't want to look we because we don't want to you know look at what we might find some people ignore it like what you're doing yeah and other people 
go into denialism, they, they lie about it. Okay, but it's the same thing. They just are not facing the reality of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Shall we continue with your story? So you, yes, you, didn't, you didn't want to look at yourself. Yes. It was manifest, manifesting in anxiety yes. and so on. Yep. And then you, did you start to come to this realization, the unconscious and the conscious, and therefore you were able to start looking? Well, I mean, it was a journey, right? Mm. And so I guess that in hindsight, looking back, the, the suffering, the, the, the anxiety, panic was my wake-up call. Mm. So I interpret that now as my body going, Sam... Mm. can't live like this anymore you can't keep running the flight or fight running trying to you know i was living in london at the time mm. probably running from life not not necessarily but in one sense mm-hmm. um and so that forced me to really slow down and go what the what the frig is mm. going on mm. and i did have some i do recall going this is happening for a reason because i knew i wasn't i was unhappy mm. and so i sort of was able to have that sense um, that something was, you know, uh, it was happening for a reason. And so I guess I had that lens of hope mm. that I can, you know, I can deal with this. I can understand it, come through the other side. So that kind of get me, it kept me going as I was understanding the, the practical mm. manifestations, as we've talked about before, the nervous system, what's actually going on at a physical level. Um, but then, and then that led me to really start to understand fear. Mm. So what's fear? Death coming to terms with death. I was terrified of death um, because I thought that was it. Um, what, why are you not afraid of it anymore? Is it because you think there's something on the other side or you've accepted it or what? what? Well, I, I guess I've accepted what I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. But I, I guess from, you know, examples like Anita Morjani, um, you know, gurus like, Eckhart Tolle or spiritual teachers. I kind of hate those terms, but they've yeah. given me a new perspective on it. Which is what though? Not, not that there's definitely this thing, just no. that you're open that there's probably something I'm not sure, but... Yeah, that, you know, people talk about, you know, and I guess it sort of, it comes from religion that, you know, life is ultimately eternal, that we never really die. The physical aspect of us might die, but... But you're not clear on what that no. really is. It's just that you think we probably don't die. Okay. Yeah. So that got rid of the fear of death for you. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, along the way, absolutely. And I guess also understanding that my nervous system, um, I was so sensitized in my nervous system that I was reacting to everything. So death became a trigger, like flying. Wow. Fear of flying, like whatever it might be. So it was kind of a bit of both, that sort of deeper understanding. Dude, you are one of the coolest cucumbers I know. <laughs> To think that you used to be this fear of flying and, and all this other stuff you describe is just unthinkable. I can't believe you're that person. You're a radically different person. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't mean, I mean, I'm sort of the same, but but yeah, a different... What, what age did you process all this? Was in the 30s, 30s okay. early 30s. Late, it wasn't teens. No, yeah, yeah. early 30s. Wow, okay. So then you started to look at yourself, the thing you were afraid to look at. Yeah. And then how did you, as, as you're looking at it, how did you become what we started with earlier comfortable with it like it's okay relax everyone it's all good at well peace. I mean, it's sort of hard to piece together the journey really mm. but um i would have these kind of light bulb moments mm. um and i mean i've read so many different books and variations on a theme um i got a diagnosis of i don't remember what it's called now we can all get one can't we 
of something. <laughs> mast, uh, mast, it's, a, it's, mast, it's a mast cell disease. Oh, a biological thing, not biological. a psychological. Oh, sorry, not a, oh. no, no. That's what I thought you said. Not saying. a psychological one, although I'm, I'm sure I probably... We all do. We've all got those. I think we've talked about that. Yeah, have you seen uh, the manual? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, and that was a good, an opportunity for me to really understand. It was some mast cell disease, yeah. um, which there is no cure for. Okay. Mastocytosis, I think it was. And that okay. sent me into a, a friggin' tailspin. Of course. Based on the microbiome. So that was, again, my another opportunity to, to look, at, look at things like death health, what influences health um, from a holistic perspective, why has this come up, you know, and I'm like, well, because I've been frigging yeah. stressed and anxious for so many years, my immune system's out of whack, my, I've been living on adrenaline, yeah. <laughs> my body hasn't been able to service itself. Yeah. And so, you know, linking all those bits and pieces yeah. and coming up to those fears and having to face them and understand them and then let go of them and then start to see um, those physical ailments Yes. dissipate they did yeah well done so through you know all the work ideas around that um you know meditation understanding yeah. how that works calming the nervous system enjoying the moment you know reading books like um letting go by david hawkins psychiatrist right. the untethered soul by michael singer all and he he gives you perspective he's like well at the end of the day we're all sitting on a speck of dust spinning around the galaxy at I don't know millions of miles an hour what does it all matter you know in 500 years when we're all well and truly turned to dust what does all this argy-bargy around labels and identity really matter for example so I think that's what I'm trying to explore with you where you get your sense of peace from a nihilistic that's a nihilistic point of view which mm. may, is valid uh, it's based in a mechanistic rationalist approach of what's measurable where balls yeah. of where meats meat suits floating around on a rock what does it all mean in the end of the day? So it's nihilist. And you can get a lot of freedom in a nihilist yeah. view. But then you've got the um, other people who find purpose through, uh, not just religious, but typified in the religious experience where it's the opposite of nihilism. Like yeah. you are special, you are loved by a, a god of some sort. Where do you, um, it, rather than just tracing your journey, if I could ask you now, when mm. you sit here and you have that, I'm okay, my ego is here and it's okay, mm. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking on that nihilist point of view or are you thinking on the more that spiritual point of view we talked about earlier, which is common with millennials, like there's energy everywhere and the universe is inside of me and everything I need is, yeah. is there. Like where, where do you, what do you kind of rest yourself on? Where do you get your rest from? Yeah, well, I just connect to, I guess, that sense of peace that is there. So rather than, I'm, I keep on asking, where is the peace coming from? But you're not talking about it. You're, just, you're talking about the peace that is there. That's there. It's here. So you see it, you observe it, you, you partake I, of I it. I don't really see it, observe it. I just relax into it. Yes, but what I mean is by Sorry. see it, I mean is you, you appropriate it in whatever way, yeah. rather than asking what is, what is the rational underpinning behind it? What is its moral authority? Where, what's it based on? Where does yes, it come from? Yeah. You're not asking those questions. Well, yeah, I mean, no, I've done my research. So I have, and I, again, this is not, I think, because I've made peace with it. I sort of don't necessarily re need to revisit it in terms of updating my knowledge on it or reminding myself. But, um, yeah, sort of linking a lot of those um, use, really useful teachings from a lot of religions, mm. um, even, you know, Eckhart Tolle, gives a, a different interpretation on what Jesus meant when he mm. said certain things, mm -hmm. a more of a practical interpretation mm. 
on them um, as opposed to maybe the the Catholic one, which is all yeah. about guilt and shame right. because of it. So that yeah. all, it sort of brought a lot, a lot of those things together for me. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Because I used to think that um, we, used to, we used to learn about hell and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know if God's this really beautiful, all-loving thing. I said, yeah. I don't think that really exists. Okay. So I, ha- I remember having that young thought as a kid. So yeah. I guess I'm trying to... That, uh, that was there. So that maybe was a useful thing that I'd been programmed with or learned somehow along the way, maybe through my parents. Because my parents... We were religious, but they were doing it more for a community. I guess they so. weren't. I guess they, so. We didn't really talk about God, or yeah, they didn't sure. sort of give me the same messages that I might have got from the church. Sure. So what? Is, what is? Sorry, I'm sort of. No, don't no, apologise. This is really. I'm. In, I hope you're enjoying. It. I'm enjoying. <laughs> I am. It. What? Because <laughs> there's not often I have a guest where because you've been on three times. Th- this is the third time, and. Um, you know, as I said, I count ourselves, count ourselves as friends, so I feel I feel safe. I don't mm. feel like I'm going to offend you. No. So uh, it's nice to be able to just share openly and hopefully disagree on a few things. Uh, so I'm also going to ask um, when when people and want- what, what I was going to say though, because it seems like you're asking, what is the thing? How do you know for sure? I'm not saying you're not saying it like that, but how do you? Mm. But I think my motivation... Do you have that? Do you mind me asking? Oh, that? yeah, for sure. No, yeah. I, well, I come from Christian faith. Yes. So for me, it's what I've been describing. It's Jesus and all of that. Yeah. But the, my, my intent to ask you this question is not so much that I want to test my view versus your view. What I'm trying to... I'm thinking about the people watching. Mm. I'm thinking there's a lot of people watching who see the peace that you have. And they might... Some, a lot of people watching... Are, well, most are, people um, just see house. That's so true. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> We didn't talk about that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we didn't, you're never being, mentioned you're that. being more profound and we've, I'm just talking about house. We've never mentioned the house thing of three times. No. <laughs> I have thought it. I just haven't brought it up. Uh, no, but people watching. So, I mean, I'm not really worried about the religious people because they've got their stories. Yeah. You know, they've got, there's plenty of religious, if you're a Christian, there's a whole, you know, go there. But there's a lot of people watching who want that peace, but aren't in that world, and they see it in mm. people like you. You're so such a cool, cool cucumber. And I, I, when I speak to them, some of them they try and find that rest and that peace and that place that I find in the float tank. I think I've talked mm. to you about float mm. tanks, but they can't find it because when they look inside, mm. they see, well, I am not that good. I've got some issues, man. As objectively, as much as I try and just sit here yeah. with peace, I kind of suck. In, in, in some ways, like it's an honest interpretation of, of myself at the end of the day. And so I'm trying to help them to try and partake. And, and, of what and I guess have. this is, that goes to back. I mean, that's the way I help people with that. Cause you're right. It's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a real difficult spot for people to be in and it causes a lot of suffering. Mm. But then if, I guess you sort of, um, if you understand how the unconscious mind works, how the brain works, how we, where our, beliefs values come from mm. that we learn them and we we learn programs like i am a bad person or i need to go drinking all the time just to, to escape my reality because of all the things maybe i've learned mm. they're, they're programs that play just like the heart program the lung program mm. they all get embedded in the subconscious mind which mm. is 90 95 percent of the brain's power mm. we think mm. um and so um they play autopilot yes and so it's just unconsciousness. Okay. So that, that, that program that says I'm evil, I'm bad for doing this is, is effectively an unconscious program which won't stop easily because it's 
the brain or the body thinks it's essential, it's learned that that's an essential program. So we don't want the heart to stop, right? We don't want the lungs to stop. So we don't really want that one to stop, but we can use the conscious mind. So through sessions like this or reading, you know, we can go back in and start to reprogram and go, oh, this is just a program. I have the power to change it. And I don't necessarily have to take it so seriously. I don't have to revisit all the things I've done necessarily and go over the traumas or the, you know, all the things I've done, acknowledge them maybe. So we get the learning, but if I know I was acting on the program and I want to change it, how can I go in and do some reprogramming? So I understand that. So then if you are at peace with yourself, having done all that, is the question of morality even there? Maybe it doesn't mm. need to be, but when you sit there at peace with yourself in a meditative, yep. in a deep meditation, are you thinking? Because my questions are, are, are have been based around object. There's got to be an objective truth and objective yeah. reality. How do you know that you're right? Or is that not even a consideration? Not really. I mean, yes, my ego gets involved in morality. That's wrong. You know, you shouldn't do that. You should do this. You know, I, I go there a lot, but ultimately the peace is always there that I come back to. What if it's correct? If, if, mm. what if it's correct, the, the idea, the um, negative stuff that we've talked about of what if guilt is, is warranted? Because this, if we go back to pride for a, yes. for a, a, a section yeah. of this, Aristotle believed that the reason why there was two different forms of pride was because he, he made the distinction that pr- pride is the crown of, can be the crown of all virtues because he who is great mm. and considers himself great, mm. that aligns. Yep. The problem was if you're not great and you consider yourself great, you yep. have hubristic pride. All of that relies on this idea of an objective greatness. Yep. Someone's got to measure it. It has to exist. So, Well, maybe we're all great and it just gets clouded. Yeah, what, what do we mean by that? We're, we're well, maybe we're, we're born great or we, you know, the essence of who we are, call it soul, spirit. Maybe that's all. But what is great then? Because if you measurably take someone's life, like a, a, a Chairman Mao, who did some good things and a whole lot of a lot of bad things, mm. and we try and weigh his life, or if we look at Hitler, who did a lot mm. of bad things, but probably some good things as well. Yep. And or then we look at you; mm. you've done a lot of good things. So, isn't there an objective? A lot of bad things too. Yeah. Yeah, all of us, right? <laughs> but isn't there? A, and but you've probably done slightly more good things than me, or vice versa. Like well, we're not all the same. Knows? We're not yeah. all fifty percent good, fifty percent bad. Correct. Some of us are slightly skewed and we're all like a beautiful variety yep. so how isn't isn't there an objective measure as well that should inform that piece that you're talking about when you say we're all great you know what i mean you can't well that's not true i mean so i mean eckhart tolle i always talk about him um but he talks about that you can't grasp it with your mind yeah. so maybe it's your mind through that analytical mind trying to grasp what this elusive thing is yes we can talk about it we can read books about it we can have signposts pointing towards what it is which is ultimately maybe what religion is right signposts pointing you know pointing towards it but we it's when we stop so it's like when i become aware of me speaking that's it right so the bit that's aware that you're talking to me is it that's it that's it that's that piece, that's the universal energy, that's God, potentially. Okay. So it's the observer. And you can't really describe it properly, it, it just is. 
And that's where it, it's hard because the mind wants to label it. <laughs> Going back to what we're talking yes. about, it wants to measure it. It wants to, but that's more the ego. And so it, you know, we don't need to do that. Why do we need to measure it all? So it's experiential primarily. Yeah. Does it therefore inform you of decisions? Because a moral, a moral or an ethical a moral framework, code, mm, but not just a code, <laughs> but how you make decisions. For some reason, you're you're very kind to me. I mean, you just your personality. You, mm. You're just slightly more kind than a lot of other people. Mm. What makes that happen? Is it because you you're at peace out in the car on the way? You know, what 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 is it that's made you? Um, not well, just not just you, but why can we measurably yeah. say this human called Sam Eddie and then this human over here, that human seems to be consistently more kind or generous in their approach well, and that one doesn't. I mean, so look, you know, it, it, you, I think you're right to talk about morals and upbringing and all that sort of stuff and how we're programmed. So I'm talking, we've talked a lot about negative programs that we learn, yes. but there's great programs like my parents taught me to be polite, so always say thank you, to listen. So that's good, but then I guess the flip side of that is I can be then become a pleaser. I need people to like me, so I'm going to try and please them. Whereas I guess the, the later realizations in life I've had do it with peace behind it. But whether you are doing it with peace, mm. if you're polite to me through mm. peace, or you're doing it because your parents programmed you to do yeah. it, I'm still the recipient of the same fruit. Well, it, you probably wouldn't get the same energy behind it. Oh, yeah, okay. So you might sense that something's a bit off or he was always a bit fake or yeah, he was really nice, said all the right things or, but there may be something may not reconcile. I see. Because it's, it's not coming from a place of peace. Like, you know, you meet people and you're yeah. like, oh, they're great. They sort of said all the right things, but... Um, it's something off. Something's not quite right. Yeah. And that's that, this is the intangible that we're talking about. Okay. It's energy. And we all are made of just energy, you know. This yeah. is, the chair's more dense energy. Yeah than maybe, you know, um, heat or light or whatever. You don't even have to, I mean, I, I would agree with that, but you don't even need to go that deep. You could go with a mechanistic view of the world and, yeah. and literally be, well, you, there's certain cues and micro expressions and body language and, and pheromones even, yep. and there's a whole lot of detectables. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When did you, uh, sorry, a bit of an aside, did you, how did you know that you were gay? And when did you discover? Or was it not as clear as that? How, how did... Yeah, I, I always knew. So even when you... Oh, sorry, not always knew. Um, just probably when... Because we're not always attracted to... We're not always sexually aware at six, no. five. So, but we all can't become... Most of us become sexually aware. Yeah, probably... Yeah, around puberty-ish. And then you discover what? You, you're attracted to guys more than girls. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. And then you, you hide it? It was Yeah, totally. Yeah, I would say, yeah, you can change this. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you can change it? Well, you can change it because there was a lot of guilt. Because I, I never really remember hearing the messages that it's wrong, like explicitly, but, but I kind of absorbed it from the environment or the news. or That it was wrong. That it was wrong. And so I'm like, this is, this is not good. It needs to change. So there's no... Maybe religion. So there's no incentive for you to become gay. It was a no. natural thing that you were, didn't want or, or you thought was wrong. and you, Yeah. And then when did you embrace it? Say it's okay. 
probably when I was, I mean, when I, I mean, when I kind of accepted it to an extent, um, probably when I was 18, I felt comfortable enough to tell my parents and friends and all that sort of stuff. Okay. So that was kind of on a practical level accepting it. Yeah. Um, but I guess it was all linked to the anxiety and guilt and shame of everything else up until I was 30. And then I got, you know, had the severe anxiety. So before, so it's sort of it's all interlinked. Does that make sense? Yeah, but see, because the, the bar, if I can be so bold as to say, the basket case you used to be. Yeah. Right? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> before 30. <laughs> Welcome, Greta. Uh, coming out <clears throat> at 18-ish, or at, at 18, yeah. that would have... How did that not become, how did you not naturally do what the uh, um, activists do, which yeah. is protect your ego Yes. by making that part of your identity, your sexuality, and become like a, a militant, what yeah. we've talked about, which yeah, you're not yeah. now, but yeah. you were in a prime position to really go that way. Did you? And if not, why not? That's a good question. Um, I don't. I don't think I really know. I mean, I never thought about it. Although I, I remember observing people who might come out later on in life, who would then quickly take on the activist role, and not necessarily in a bad way, but were very. Anyway. Yeah, I think I probably knew on some level that it was ultimately unhelpful. Activism. Um, well, you know, a cause. L- latching your ego onto a cause. Uh, even even in your basket case years, you knew that that's not going to be good for you. Yeah. I think I just knew that it probably, it, it was part, you know, on a practical level, part of who I was, but not really who I was. That's deep. Like, it didn't really separate me from, it didn't make me any more or less valuable than people around me. There's a bit of that now, you know. Yeah. I didn't think I was any, definitely not any better, <laughs> but I wow. sort of, I thought I, I sort of separated it from who I was. That's amazing that you're able to do that even before you. Yeah. Because yeah. there is a lot of that of, of identity politics where your identity becomes a part of the ego, part of the value, part of your worth. Totally. Self-worth. Absolutely. You're worth who you are. And that's, then that's where it becomes messy and a problem. And that's where it becomes a minefield because everyone's like, you've got so much vested in this, this thing, this label, yeah. this identity. And if you challenge it, um, and then the people want to challenge it because they've got the same energy just coming from the opposite end. Yes. So, you yes. know, um, that documentary, What is a Woman? I haven't seen, I've only seen shorts I've of so, it. Same, I've only seen shorts of it. But... He looks, um, he looks pretty sane, can I say? He does, but I do get a sense that there's a bit of... He's hardcore Christian. ...underlying, um, like, you know, in some ways you could say some of the questions he's asking are very valid, you know, just practical questions. But I get a sense that there's a... I mean, and maybe this is just my ego overlaying onto it, that there's a bit of underlying, I, I sort of... A mission? Or, or I don't like who you are, who the person I'm speaking to. Based on the sexuality or on their ideological position? I, I, I assume, and yeah. this is a big leap, yeah. um, based on their sexuality or he just disagrees with it morally. Maybe we his know, moral that's values. Not a loop. No, no, that he's open about oh, his okay. conservative Christian values. Fine. And he's very open in, about it. Okay, yeah. So, that, so that's where I think, um, I mean, to my mind, that's a, if, if it's true, you know, um, what I'm observing, as, you, as you're maybe saying... Um, that's where it becomes a problem. 
because he might be asking practical questions. You know, how do we operate mm-hmm. in a society if we can't define what a woman is? Mm-hmm. You know, makes a logical question, right? It's not an ego. But then mm-hmm. if I've got this disdain for the person I'm questioning, that then becomes a problem. Does he have the disdain though? I don't know. Because a lot of people share his biblical views yep. in that religion, but don't have disdain for gay people. Yeah. Well, well, he may not. So I, I may be, again, it could be my ego interpreting something that's not there. But I just got a sense that... Hmm. Um, Perhaps. But he seems more rational than the people he's asking. But again, totally. that's cherry-picked. He's totally, yeah. He's made a movie, for God's sake. Like it's, yeah, absolutely. He's not going to have all the yeah. rational transactivists on, is he? Yeah. So, Pride, where... I don't even know where we are in your notes, but I, I mean, I think, I, uh, yeah, we're sort of, I'm curious on this pride issue. You're, we're coming to the same conclusion that pride is in this sense is probably in this way that we're talking where it's your externalized ego identity and worth. That's not good. What about good pride? Can we talk about that? We touched on it briefly already. Yes. You, you've been saying about having ego here. Yep. And all you, what about all of your achievements and other things? Where, how do you... Well, I mean, uh, so I guess we're here to have... If we're here to have an experience on this world or this planet to have an experience, then it's good, you know, it's useful potentially to enjoy experiences. So enjoy the promotion you've got. Enjoy the tennis tournament you've won. Mm. But don't like, get attached to needing it for your self-worth. So that's these, uh, uh, what are, was it the Romans? Uh, when they went to battle and they came back and they won a big battle and there was a guy speaking in the ear on the chariots. Uh, I think there was two guys. But one was saying, you're amazing, you're amazing. Yep. And the other was saying, you're du- you are dust and to dust you shall return. The idea being that they're returning war generals with these big victories needed to be reminded of who they are, both good and bad, so that they didn't end up in a weird place of ego. Yeah. I mean that makes sort of sort of makes sense to me. That's kind of the, almost like the middle path, isn't it? Mm. The middle way. It's like um, Ash Barty's mindset coach. Mm. Can't remember his name. Someone Crow, maybe? No, I'm not got that wrong. Um, talks about how she was, you know, in her quest to win Wimbledon and then the Australian Open, how she would just go point by point, and didn't matter what. You know, if she did a double fault or stuffed up a backhand or forehand, she would just... This point. Stay in the moment, go to the next point. So then the pressure's not there. The pressure's not there. I mean, how could you win the Australian Open, you know, with all the pressure that us Aussies put on (laughs) homegrown sports stars? And she did it. I was like, that's like a feat of mindset. Okay. And and disc maybe and, and not really and it's a bit of a paradox, right? Yes, yes. If you let go of needing to win, maybe you're in a you're going to be able to get in flow more and play your game and and there's more of a chance yeah. that you will win. Do you reckon, does that happen in in work in life in work because you deal with corporate type mm. people? And I I've always wondered whether those who chase really hard after a goal and, and a lot of them just outwork others and they achieve it. Yep. But then I notice other people who seem to go through gracefully and effortlessly. Like my best interviews end up being like this where I'm not trying, I'm just curious. Yeah, totally. If you're in flow. Yeah. So you just let it all, you kind of let the preconceived ideas or the attachment of needing it to go well, absolutely. Yeah. You sort of find your rhythm and flow. 
I know if I'm playing tennis, I and mean, that's why I obviously talk about tennis, is if I'm thro- throwing the ball up, if, I'm, if I catch myself starting to think about it, got to serve hard, got to get it to the backhand or forehand. I'm like, no, Sam, just let it go. And I make sure I follow through properly and go for it, as opposed to get tentative, try and tap it in, yeah. um, put no top spin on it, which is you know, technically slightly harder, more chance of risk. But I'm like, no, just let, let the thoughts come and go for it. Okay. And that's kind of the, you know, the way I kind of go through life as best I can. When I see myself getting, the mind's getting involved yeah. and whatever I'm doing, how do I get back to flow? And yet you still are very strategic planning. You can still have goals. You yeah. still, all of that. Have an experience of life. Okay. Do, yeah. you, ever, do you ever get stressed? Yeah, definitely. Uh, sorry. I know that you get stressed and then you do things to calm yourself down, but do you ever lose yourself? It's, I think when it's a lot harder to lose myself now, okay. I mean, sometimes I go, fucking, it's, why can't I just be an ego for a day? <laughs> why? Why? Because it's pleasurable? Well, because it's, it, the, the program's still there. Mm. And so, yeah, some, but then I quickly feel my body reacts and doesn't like it. Yeah, you have this interesting biological connection when yeah. you had symptoms and stuff. Okay. And so I'm like, yeah, That's okay, helpful. fine. <laughs> can't go out drinking and partying all night anymore your um, partner must uh, what do they think they like the chilled the chilled you um, yeah I mean you have to ask him but yeah I think so <laughs> and also very probably you know similar but in a different way in a very different way very even killed he partner. is yeah because I'm just wondering what you know if you if I'm living with you if I was your partner yeah. living with you what does a fight look like and what is a, you know all the natural parts of life all like. the normal stuff just normal. <laughs> I mean, try and have awareness. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know. You'd be a good person to live with because we may be fighting, but you're not going to allow yourself to go into this mad ego trip for a day. You're going to go, hang on, maybe I'm wrong here for a second. And then, like, well, you, I mean, you get caught out, you react. Hmm. So sometimes you do <laughs> to react. You're like, fuck. Maybe we're all just messed up from childhood. You... Well, we're all programmed. Some of that program's good, though, as you said. Absolutely. Yeah. Some of it's really useful, and, and you, know, you don't want to change that. So, uh, should we finish off on the pride thing? Yes. Um, so, should we celebrate it? You tell me. Absolutely not. Like, I've just said it <laughs> over and over that pride is not... But celebrate what is the question? I, I mean, I mean, mean not the maybe not the word, but you know, is, it, is it okay to have a celebration of... Of your sexuality? Yeah. Fine. Do whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not... Yeah. <laughs> Even if my morals are, even if, even if I don't agree with it, I still don't care. Yes. Well, don't care is not the right word, but I have no desire to come and, and stop your celebration. Yeah. What I have a problem with is that we're valorizing, um, in my opinion, mm. a vice that is so destructive. And I, I didn't realize how much we'd be on the same page. I think mm. we both think it's very destructive, though we call it different things. Mm. I hate it. I hate it in myself. And I think what we're doing is we're setting people up for big failures because we're teaching them to place so much identity yep. in the in the externals and this is what worries me about some of the potentially good things like the the in, aboriginal the indigenous voice to parliament mm. in australia you could do that really well or you could teach a whole bunch of people to see their worth in the stupid pieces of paper the constitution and then what like you just end up in this divided system totally values in a piece of paper it's not good well i mean you know just into price the way my interpretation of her version of this mm. is how do you empower 
people to change their own journey, which is the work exactly the work I do. Acknowledge all the wrongs, all the mm. unfairness of life, absolutely, but but that's not going to change anything. Um, and yeah. you know, maybe more bureaucracy is that going to change anything? Probably not. We you know look at the levels of corruption in all areas of you know government, and then when does ego and pride come in? Mm. Well, I'm getting paid all this money now. I've got you know it happens in all areas of government. So you know. Yeah, to my mind, it's a self-empowerment because you can't go wrong. If you're speaking directly to people to hopefully help them change their circumstances or offer them a new way. Well, that means then that if you do have a celebration or a voice to parliament or a flag on the bridge or yep. whatever it is, being in a state, what you've just demonstrated, and then having a celebration is really just an acknowledgement of something real and solid. Yeah. As opposed to using the flags and bunnings or the pride parade to fight and to create an identity and to force and to say, I'm here, you need to acknowledge me. That's weak, dangerous. Yeah, well, it's, it, again, if we're attaching self-worth to it, if it's unconscious, yeah. it can be problematic. All right, I'll go on a limb. I'll say a pride celebration parade should be a celebration parade, not a weapon. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Yeah, and no one's, no one's gonna ultimately going to enjoy it if it becomes a weapon. Because mm, the activists it, are enjoying it. Well, the ego might enjoy it. Uh, the ego will enjoy it. It might get a bit of instant satisfaction about it. Yes, we've got one up on them. But any, you know, I'm talking about any activism. What's your predictions on where this goes? Because we've seen a momentum towards people externalizing their ego into. I think we talked about cars last time. You're on yep. externalize your ego into things, yep. status, jobs, titles, pride parade, identities, yep. sexualities. Are we going to see that? Continuing? Well, sometimes you need more suffering. So, so the crisis precipitates change. Sometimes we all need to hit a crisis, you know, as I did in order to yeah. have an awakening. Yeah. So I can't begrudge other people's journeys. Um, so maybe it just has to get, it has to be a bit more suffering for life get to, to become so uncomfortable that we maybe have more of this awakening. I don't know. But what does that look like when you say more suffering potentially needs to come first? Yeah. What does suffering look like in this tendency for people to externalize their worth and identity? Well, if we start to realize that it's all impermanent. These external, if we have a realization that everything I mean, I'm putting my self-worth into is impermanent. So they get what they want. So I'm hypothesizing. Yeah. They get what they want and it's just enshrined. And you realize you're voice. still unhappy. Aha. Uh-huh. Or the right wing come along and they win presidency and they tear it all down and your identity is screwed. Correct. But the problem is you can you can be in this game of whatever that is for generations. Yeah. Absolutely. So and um, so yeah, it's a sort of sort of letting stepping out of the game. So you you know you realise yes I got that gold medal but now I've got to get win two more. I've yeah. got to, I've got the world championships. Well, <laughs> now I've got to get the Olympics to be really happy. And I get that, but then I've got to, well, I've got to retire. So everything I've built my identity on, I can't do anymore. And that's why a lot of sports people struggle with retirement because their labels and identities are all around, you know, achievement yeah. and doing. And so then what happens when they can't do it? When in- inevitably they get older, you know, maybe Federer yeah. and Nadal and Williams, maybe they're going through a bit of that. Yeah, like Ian Thorpe did. Yeah. He really struggled publicly talked about that. It's all the same stuff just manifest in different forms. Something very attractive about what you've been talking about today, this, I just feel like, it's like the things of this world, they, they, they grow strangely dim. It's yeah. like, less important. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, absolutely. 
What do you see in our politicians in terms of what we've been discussing on ego? Oh, it's all ego. All. They're so locked into it. But in terms of Australia... You see them all as pretty... Stuck. I went and met with um, one of them around, you know, mental health, well-being yeah. for politicians. Yeah. Yeah. Canberra, Andrew Lay. They need it. And he was great. He, he yeah. is um, from Labor. He yeah. let me... He met, met with me after great. an email. We had a really great chat. And he just said, look... I don't know, I mean, I don't think this is confidential, but um, he was saying that people just won't engage in mental health and well-being. Because my angle is, well, if the politicians are all stressed, busy, yes. lost, then they're going to make crappy decisions. Yes, it's true. But, and yeah. he said they'd, ha- they'd had a couple of breakfasts. On, and, with, you know, we hear about a couple, you know, occasional unfortunate suicide with yes. politicians when yes. they just... Because the yeah. huge amount of pressure they're under, yeah. but it's... But people aren't really willing to engage. The politician class is not, not. willing to engage. And he was openly saying that. Okay. Um, and They're he's not. Busy. And he's interesting because he's not aligned to a faction, is my understanding. Oh, okay. And so he, you know, is often t- seen to get shafted around key roles within the party because he's not aligned. So maybe yeah. he is of less ego. I mean, I don't agree with a lot of his stuff. That sure, but less ego means you don't get. Yeah, so not, you don't get promoted. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was willing to talk to me about something that he admitted that the other politicians wouldn't. Do you see some politicians that are particularly ego driven more than others? Who are the worst that you've seen most ego y? I mean, I'm triggered by living in Victoria, so Andrews is. You see a lot of ego pretty, there compared yeah, to others? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't see it as much with Gladys, if I'm comparing premiers. Okay. Felt she was more matter of fact. Okay. I didn't feel there was a like with Andrews. It seems like there's a venom or there's a. It's personal. Everything's personal. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, particularly through the pandemic, whereas I didn't feel it was as personal. Is that would that be? That, I'm talking about ego. Yeah, right, raising would, its ugly head. Yeah, would that be because of what we've been talking about? That he, he perhaps he might be living with an externalized. Um, worth structure, identity totally. structure. Absolutely. His identity is, you know, as this sort of premier, this sort of leader, perhaps. And, you know, and maybe there's, if I don't, you know, I'm just talking very general terms, I don't know him, of course, but, you know, I can't look at myself unless these things go this way. So I try and get more of the same and try and push and. The more extreme someone is, usually the more entrenched or the more unconscious they are. Or entrenched in their ego. And the end for people like that, of any him or anyone else, when they're so into ego, like pathologically, what we've been talking about, how do those people end in a, in a crash? Well, I mean, it's health, right? I mean, you know, he doesn't look particularly healthy, I would argue, at the moment. The body manifests. Yeah, it manifests in the body because we can only sustain that because it's, it's living in a perpetual state of stress, having to control everything around me. It's like, it's a really hard, it's a hard job. It's a lot of energy. And that's energy that, that's not being done to maintain your own well-being. But there must Systems, be. yeah. chronic health issues, weight gain, stress. But there must be, be a psychological crash for these sorts of people. If you're so reliant on an externalized ego that it can't always go right for everyone. No one has a unicorn run. Even mm. freaking Paris Hilton, who's born into billionaires, you don't have a unicorn run. So um, if you've seen the documentary of her coming out, she's no. sent to this religious cult where they, they um, 
remember if they bashed her or something, but it was just horrific. Some religious cult thing that her parents sent her through. Oh my God, no. Which is, and she's come out now much more eloquent than mm. we thought. She was just a bimbo saying that that was all a, uh, a coping mechanism. Yeah, right. From the horrors she was ex- of course. exposed to. Yeah, it makes she sense. She built a fake personality of bimbo and all that. Anyway. Anyway, point is to say... Interesting. No, I have to watch that. Really cool. It's on mm. YouTube. It's for free. Okay. It's an hour. She tells a story. Uh, it's just interesting that not, any, not no one gets a unicorn run, right? Yep. Even though it seems like it. So, people who are so externalized in their ego, there must be a psychological snap when eventually things don't pan out. Well, I don't think it necessarily has to be a snap, but you look at, say, Kevin Rudd, Julia Gillard. She seems a lot more healthy than him. Yeah, so maybe she's, maybe she's in, again, this is projecting, or she's maybe made peace with what she's done or accepted. She resigned yeah. from politics, didn't re-enter. So yeah. they bo- both obviously have strong convictions. Yes. And I'm sure they're both in ego in different ways, but maybe then she's been able to compartmentalise and let go. She's done really well post-politics. Yeah, whereas he, you know, you just look, bitter, at the, look at the yeah. two of them. You can see the... The disease, so yeah. disease or disease in them is completely different. And yeah. so they're obviously, so she's obviously maybe got anchors in her life, practices, yeah. rituals that help her stay, you know, stay grounded perhaps, mm. whereas it doesn't look like he does as much. So what do you think of the other ones then? Turnbull, ScoMo, Albo, because Albo looks particularly uh, um, anchored to me for some reason. He does, I, yeah. He does. I hate his, I hate his where he comes from and yet I, I'm quite impressed with him. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. He's, I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot about him, but he does seem more at ease yeah. with himself or where he's at. ScoMo, you know, maybe he sort of was mm. a bit all over the shop, I think. He reminds me of my mum, denialism. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I, I was yeah, just all over the shop. But Turnbull, I'd say a little bit more on the rudd Rad. spectrum. <laughs> I think we've talked about that probably before, but yeah. Poor guys. All right, and finally, uh, around the world... Do you see, everything we've been talking about today, do you see examples of other countries or groups or um, just just examples of where it's done particularly well or particularly poorly? So one I'm thinking, for example, is in the West, especially in the US and in TikTok and not all of TikTok, but just the individual, hyper-individualization and the pushing of the ego. And you see these young girls, 17 years old with 2 million TikTok followers in two months and then for some reason it gets squashed or banned or whatever and they just, they lose their whole sense of self. So obviously the West is probably a bit going the wrong way in what we've been talking about. But if you notice any patterns, maybe some places that have done well. Um, I can feel my mind getting tired, but um, to give you a clear answer on this, but not, I mean, I'd say the West is cultivated ego a lot Mm. so material things material possessions again nothing wrong with it but it's sort of been particularly ego fueled as you say yeah around the way we gravitate to stuff you know capitalism nothing wrong with that per se but you know i guess it's a topic for another time but more more always get more more for shareholders very much and it's a bottomless pit right well so you can never really reach that moment of peace it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. No. It's always yeah. more yeah. growth. And we hear about it in politi- politicians. Growth. Yeah. Grow. And it's like, well, but why? Yeah. Why do we have to grow? Like, why do we need a bigger population? Or why yeah. do we... Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. But you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's always just more for the sake of more. So, places that have done it well. Um, I'm thinking... Oh, 
it's with that old cartoon. It's the old thing of. of I mean, the when I was in the UK, that's the only other place I've lived. That felt like a different energy, even though it's sort of part of the West. It, it, it felt different. like it was maybe because it had been beaten down, you know, the, the or its empire had shrunk. Oh, maybe, I see. maybe, I see. maybe, I see. maybe ego. You know, the ego had been crushed a bit, and that was an awakening in terms of. I don't know. That's just a, a lot of speculation. Some of the poorer countries, people seem seem in some ways happier once the hygiene factors are met in terms of food and clothing and shelter. Totally. There's also, uh, if you think about the Sw- uh, Nordic countries, they're unique because they're of the West in, in mm. a way, but they are um, they have this strange focus less on this perpetual growth stuff that you're talking about. They seem more content in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And then here's a big one. China. I'm not a fan of Chinese government, but let me tell you what. I saw a survey of perceptions of democracy. Yep. Each country, how much democracy and freedom do you have? And then perceptions of how much you have. So you get a comparative analysis of each country. So the reality Mm. and the perception. Then you go across all the different countries. This is in the Democracy Perception Index, if you Google that. You know the one with the biggest the highest ratio of perception to reality was China in the sense they overestimate the level of democracy. Yeah, right. So objectively speaking, there is less democracy. Whether democracy is good or not, there's not what I'm talking about. I'm yep. saying there is objectively less freedoms mm. in China than, mm. say, America. But America's perception of freedoms is very low. Mm. Chinese perception of freedom is very high. So you've got this odd thing going on in China where the Chinese citizens think they are living in a really good place more yes. than they are and more in a better ratio than in other countries. So I'm, I'm wondering if that equals at the end of the day, they might actually be comparatively happier yep. than those in the West. Well, where does reality sit? Is it in your mind? If you believe something to be true, is it really true? And maybe it is. So, you know, as you say, objectively, maybe they have less freedoms than, say, those in America. But if you're content, you're content, right? Well, they think they're more free, though. That's the weird That's thing. That's what I mean. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so, yeah. They, so, they, so they, they are freer. Oh. Because maybe they're mentally freer. I mean, again, I don't know. But based on what you're saying, you know. They may be. Yeah. Living a life there. My, it's like my wife who checked out of the COVID nonsense. Uh, the, like the, every, the rules kept changing mm. all the time. Do I have to wear a mask? Do I have to not wear mm. a mask? So she just gave up in the end. Yep. She just said, okay, well, masks aren't a thing anymore. She doesn't wear a mask. Yep. Then they came on and off throughout Melbourne and she never took notice. And then she'd see more masks pop up and go away. And she's like, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't yeah. know. But she was free. Yes. Yeah, it's like trans, it's transcending all this BS. How dare you? Don't question the science. <laughs> well, just, I mean, the BS of life, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because you don't never know what you, if you end up in a prison, you know, unjustly, how do you then transcend oh, yeah. that? How do you have that mental freedom? I think this is what Buddhism's good at, yeah. what we're describing, right? All right. Thank you for coming here and spending all of your mental energy. Pleasure. S- sorry to. No, none at all. Obviously, my window (laughs) is closing on my my mental abilities. But no, thank you so much for having me. It's been, you know, it's been great to chat. I personally, you know, I've in the past, I've employed a lot of people and I've run departments. I've done all sorts of stuff. I wish I knew about services such as yours. I would have had you pay to come in and help some staff. uh, Because it's not just kind of wanky. Come in and do exercises. Like you actually, I think you would bring real commercial benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's understandable. 
trying to get that deep understanding to help with fundamental change and offering peace. So I sort of go in and I talk to the, it's sort of for the company, yeah. but it's really for the individual. Yeah, but you would have made my departments perform better. Yeah. And stuff. Anyway, so if you want to use this guy, I would. <laughs> openchange.com.au And we're at discernablewoodatlocals.com And Jay Bhattacharya is coming from the Great Barrington Declaration. Yay. Do you know, do you know yes, I yeah, saw yeah. that. I saw your clip. I'm, oh, that's exciting. Oh, you follow exciting. our stuff. Yeah, I do. I Don't do. follow misinformation like Discernible. If you're following <laughs> us right now, unlike, unfollow, unsubscribe. Good evening, good night. How's that for an outro?